Computer, initialize Holosuite. Holosuite Media. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of The Expanse, Holosuite Media's dedicated enterprise podcast. I am just one of your hosts, Chris Hill, and with me, as pretty much always, except for when he gets taken away by Daniels, is Kyle West. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm really good, thank you, man. Uh, Daniels got me back to the right time, so I'm uh, I'm here on this week's show, and uh, I can't wait to discuss this week's uh, book club. Yeah. First book club, yeah. And well, our second book club. Yes, that's right. Sorry, yeah, I don't know what I just said. <laughs> you said first. Oh, did I say first? Yeah. I think it's. I heard that advert on our podcast so many times about our first book club. So I think I'm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, our um, second book club. How are you, mate? Doing pretty good. Uh, looking into possibly moving to our own place. Just really in the very early stages of it. Yes, yeah, so you messaged me about that last night. Yeah randomly and uh, we haven't discussed it since and uh, so looking to stay in the same the same area same area or? uh the first place we looked at once an agent contacted us they let us know that actually an offer was already made on that place oh no way our second choice there was still available and we're going to be taking a look at at it tomorrow on a similar note i'm hoping that my old house sells yeah. this week but i've told you before the difficulties out of it but we think the the, the guy buying it is pushing it now as well so he wants it done by the end of the week. So by the time anyone hears this show, I might be a much less stressed man <laughs> with some money in my damn bank account <laughs> during this COVID-19. I moved out of that house 12 months ago and we let someone else stay there who did some work on the yeah. renovation of our new house. We let we let him stay in that house for three months or thereabouts. And then we put it on the market, got offers right away. COVID-19 hit. For some reason, the solicitors just took six months, five months maybe to get everything through and then literally after six months the day of signing the couple who were buying it pulled out uh, and at that point we were like nine months into having this house still paying a mortgage on it <laughs> but you know what it went on the market again and it was we'd accepted an offer again within a week yeah. so it's a good house it's just people are so un- unreliable mm-hmm. but best of luck to Thank you man you. hey you never know by the time this airs you could be in yeah you could be in your new home. Yeah, yeah. I can say, and, and the, the one that, that we were looking at has an unfinished basement, so I can get a new podcasting room set up. Proper man cave. Yeah. I was meant to have a man cave on this house. It was meant to be the garage. Mm-hmm. I was I was assured, I was told <laughs> if I went for this house, right, that I'd get the garage as my man cave. So it was all done, it was all agreed, the house was being done, and then they realised that the garage was no oh, longer structurally man. safe. So in my head, we were just going to rebuild the garage, but no, we knocked it down. <laughs> Garden just got made bigger, and I have nowhere. So this is why when I do my podcast or anything, I've just got to set up anywhere you can, wherever I am. Yeah, I am fighting with Katie for where I can put my DVDs and my <laughs> pop figures. It's so annoying because I had it all planned in my head. Yeah, <laughs> a year ago I knew exactly where it was all going. Now that room doesn't even exist <laughs> anymore. So I'm very jealous of you, man. We need. We don't have basements in British homes, really. Huh. It's not a thing. Is that a thing yeah. in America? Most places, or most of the newer homes, do have basements made for or made for wow. them. I can say actually, right now, I'm I'm in in the basement of our current place. I've never had 
ever had a basement in any of my houses. I don't think I've ever been to one. That's odd, isn't it? That that's something that's yeah so common in in your country, and well, at least not not I've seen in mine. Yeah, I can say um, uh, other places do have a little bit of space between the bottom of the floor and the actual ground and foundation. Basically, it's just a crawl space where you got to kind of duck and dive for anything underneath. I see those on TV shows. Yeah. You often see people trying to get stuck under them <laughs> on comedy shows and such. So, oh, cool, man. Well, well best of luck to you with the uh, the house hunting. Now that we've we've gotten our little chit-chat out of the way, time for a little bit of business before, before we get started. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NX01Podcast. Please give us a like and subscribe and a five-star review even if you don't write anything five-star reviews are always appreciated that does help our our numbers get boosted yes today uh we're going to be discussing what price honor the second tie-in novel for star trek enterprise it's actually the fourth one published though i didn't realize yes, that fourth, there'd fourth been... one published yeah i didn't realize there'd been a shockwave novelization as well that might be one to go back to one day probably do the same thing with broken yeah. bow too yeah, we really could. So obviously for our book clubs, we've been doing the original right. tales. But yeah, I think those are the only two. Oh, and the I think The Expanse had a novelization. did do The Expanse. Now, there is a book called Daedalus, but I do not believe it's related to anything with the uh, fourth season episode Daedalus. If you enjoy listening to The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast every week, then please consider supporting our show by becoming a patron. Visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash NX01podcast to view our subscription tiers. Benefits of becoming a patron include earlier access to our episodes, bonus episodes, and much more. Your support helps us continue to maintain and exceed the high level of quality that you have come to expect from this show. To all our existing patrons, we appreciate you and your generosity so much. And to those of you considering joining us, we will be so thankful to welcome you into our group of patrons. Visit www.patreon.com forward slash nx01podcast for more details. You will also be able to find the website link in the details for this podcast episode. What Price Honor is uh, written by David Stern and it was published in November of 2002 so Enterprise is right in the middle of its second season being on the air. If I'm not mistaken this one actually takes place late season one well it's an interesting one yeah. because i don't know if you noticed but like the first line of the book yes. there's an error and it's i can't remember the exact date but obviously each chapter in this book states the date and the time it was right around new year's for uh, 2151 yes and obviously enterprise hadn't actually launched yet at that point <laughs> so and it's silly because i think in that first chapter as well it does then mention uh, 2152 yeah so it clearly was meant to be that, but somehow this mistake got into every chapter of the book about it being 2151. So you have to, in like, I noticed it straight away and I was like, oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not even being paid <laughs> to, to know that. So how do we get that wrong? But uh, it's a little minor detail. You just got to add a year yeah. onto it. But I think timeline wise, I'm sure we'll get into it in a bit, but it's hard to, it definitely takes place after Silent mm-hmm. Enemy. Because they've got the phase cannons, they already have photon photon torpedoes, which the yeah. ship didn't actually get until the end of season yeah. two. But we can ignore that as well. And Trip and Malcolm are really good friends, so mm-hmm. it's after Shuttlepod One. But then they also mention Riser, yeah. 
so it's hard to... So, yeah. <laughs> when does it take place? <laughs> when does it actually happen? Who knows? It does feel like they were unnecessary timeline issues with it, given that the show had been going on the air for a year. And there was another error in in here as well that was well more of a, a, a canon override because yeah they didn't have their first uh death until season three yeah that's the other big thing so there's two rather huge parts of this plot is uh when it takes place mm -hmm. and in according to the book is wrong and obviously the big death that we'll come on to archer hadn't actually had to lose anyone as you said until the zindi mission yeah. i think was it an oh, was it anomaly was the first episode i think where someone died yeah season three episode two so Yes, but, you know, can kind of look past that because as we're going to come on to it, it's, it's a really bloody good oh, yeah. book. Yeah, I can say de definitely a lot more happens in this one than in By the Book. But like I can say I, I still still enjoyed By the Book, but I, I, I think this one was a little bit better. This one actually takes place in between Two Days and Two Nights and Shockwave, according to, oh, wow, according okay. to my timeline here. All right. Someone's managed to figure out or just guess. Yeah. That kind of makes sense, really, I guess. We'll ignore it. <laughs> it's it's late season one. We'll go with that. So yeah, I'll go ahead and give us a, a quick summary here. And just in case, spoiler warning, even though we did give a huge spoiler oh, just a God. bit ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's just going to become our thing. Spoiler warning. <laughs> well, listen, we've had this discussion before and all of our faithful listeners uh, on Twitter were siding with us. And even people who, who don't listen yeah. to us were part of the conversation as well, agreeing with us. The, the show is... It, actually debuted uh, 19 years ago this week as we we're recording 19 it. years ago yesterday as we we're recording oh is it yesterday wow today's been a really long day <laughs> obviously the book came out 18 years ago yeah. so for anyone who's not read the book and we do this review you know to encourage you to read it and we we tell you about it before weeks before yeah. so that you can read the book before we talk about it but if you haven't read it we are going to talk about the entire plot so Yes, as Chris said, spoiler warning, please be aware that we're going to talk about every part of this book. We're not going to hold back. And you may hear spoilers for Enterprise as well. Yes. I don't want to hear nothing, no complaints on Apple Podcast reviews about us mentioning the death of a character in the series finale of Enterprise. Because it happened so long ago. So there's a sort of, sort of a newer person that's been there for, I think, about a year or a little less than a year, they're on, on the Enterprise that had come aboard, named Ensign Alana Hart. Reed's wanting to get to know her due to not only, you know, working alongside her, but also because she's become a bit of a loner due to an incident that happened at her previous posting on the Achilles. Later on in the book, we find out, you know, kind of exactly what happened. And this also kind of starts to lead the two to become attracted to each other and thinking about relationships. But Reed decides to end it by citing regulation and both of them are pretty much disappointed with that because reed was really torn about it and ensign hart was kind of yearning for someone to to confide in and have a relationship with all that storyline by the way is is flashback yes. as well so we're seeing it in it has devoted chapters but we yes see it, it bounces between you know sort of the, the the present and then you know the previous few days and kind of back and forth like that very much like a stitch in time by andrew robinson where I think that, that sort of became a, a similar, you know, like every other book, it seemed like with Pocket around, you know, the late late 90s, early 2000s became the do a story in the present, but, you know, dedicate a few chapter chapter here or in between to the past or, you know, around the same time that the budding romance has been ended, Enterprise answers a distress signal from a uh, from an outpost that we 
find belongs to a race called the uh, Circassians. Uh, an away team sent down. It's comprised of Archer, Topol, Trip, Ensign Hart, and one of the other tactical ensigns or crewmen. During the course of the investigation, split up into three different groups. And within that, Reed and Trip got paired together, but they get split up. Hart and the other tactical... Wasn't the other, other tactical guy that, that went together with Hart? Or was it... Yeah, Hart was with the other tactical guy. I can't remember his name. And Archer. Yeah. If I remember right, but they get also get yeah. split up. And so during the investigation, Reed comes into a big chamber and sees Ensign Hart and another alien lying pretty much comatose in the room between or with both of them. They bring Ensign Hart back up to the ship. Flox says that uh, she's been electrocuted and that's what's kind of causing her memory loss. Pretty much can't remember a damn thing. We find out why this was caused later on, but at this point, it's just a medical mystery that Flox can't figure out. Reed tries to, you know, hoping that the shorter term memory kind of coming back with him, you know, explaining what else happened would come back, but it does not work. We'll find out the reason why on that later. Yeah, and they discover that her, was it her yeah. brain electrical signals were different? Completely different. But they shouldn't ever change, right. really, because that's you as a person. Yeah. That is you, and but for some reason hers were different to previous records that Phlox had. Yeah. So the mystery was even greater. Her body winds up dying because Reed prevents her from like blowing up the ship, basically. Yeah, she was trying to fire on a... She went into the armory and just almost like a zombie went to open fire on one of the, I think, Sarkassian ships. Yeah. That was there, which obviously Enterprise wouldn't want to do. And Reed has to try and stop her, which leads to a physical mm-hmm. fight. And I think she smacks him over the head with like a metal pipe or something. And we never quite see the end of that. But we do know from the rest of the book that this was when she died. Well, when her body died. When her body died. So we've known from the very first page of the book, really, that, that this mm-hmm. character is dead in the present day events but we're seeing all these in the flashbacks and yeah so she's very odd behavior from her so she ends up dying and the body dies in the armory and the Sarcassian ship commanded by commodore roan comes and you know kind of is like hey you know what are you guys doing here were you the ones that destroyed our outpost archer has to be like no we didn't but kind of why are you asking and i think at that point that's when roan was like hey you know we're kind of in the middle of a war but can't really say exactly what's going on because he needs pretty much an ambassador to come through to make any kind of contact with outside civilizations. Uh, this ambassador arrives. Her name's Ambassador Valet. And the whole reason that they also come is the other alien that Reed found has basically snapped out of his coma due to what they think is the death of Hart. That's pretty much the only conclusion they can draw. We learned that this alien is from a species called the Ta'alat, <laughs> something like that. At first, the Enterprise crew are accused of you know aligning themselves with them but Archer was able to be like, no, hey, we were answering the distress call. We have nothing to do with it. And at that point, they do accept that answer, given how, how the situation is. We find out that this uh, Ta'alat is named Geridian, and he was the one that was responsible for the attack on the outpost. And so the Sarcassians are wanting to prosecute him, but Archer's like, well, hold on. One of my crew members is dead, possibly by this person. We need to do an investigation too. And so they were able to, to kind of hold off on getting the, the transfer over, but uh, Ambassador Valet comes in. They had to make a do a makeshift brig in one of the uh, the unfinished rooms there in the ship. Valet enters that room to interrogate Geridian, and at the end of this, Valet comes out and Geridian is dead. For me, that was like a, a holy shit moment. I remember you telling me, because you were reading it ahead of me, and you said there'd been 
the first sort of like yeah holy shit moment when i was reading it i i gathered that was the moment you were referring to yeah and, and it's also at this point that roan and reed are kind of striking up a friendship due to their shared shared rising through the ranks through the tactical field and roan is you know explaining hey you know we've got sort of this holy war that's kind of going on between us and the Talat due to us you know kind of mingling in what they think are their gods leftovers which they call them the anu anshi <laughs> basically they are the preservers as as we know. oh right okay i hadn't even yeah i hadn't even made that i think the kind of revealed that to us as the readers reading because we would know about the preservers and that's kind of how they put that in then we also find out that there's a civil war brewing amongst the Sarcassians about how to handle the current conflict between the Sarcassians and uh, Garidian species. And after the encounter with Garidian, Valais starts to act a little bit off, is the best way that, that it was described, and basically is pushing further for a civil war within the Sarcassian people, between those who were wanting to keep the policy the same and, you know, kind of do a little more hands-off and those who are wanting to go to a full-fledged war. And at this point, Reed and Roan go back down to the outpost to kind of investigate to see what all's going on with everyone, why they're acting so different. And it's at this point, Garidian in Valet comes down as well and is like, hey, you guys are on to me, but nobody's going to find out. Typical bad guy thing. And so Roan winds up getting killed first. And this is how we, we were able to figure out how Hart winds up dying as well, because Garidian uses basically my interpretation is the same thing that Janice Lester used with Kirk to swap bodies. And Garidian couldn't figure out exactly how to get it for a healing body. And this is also how Reed learns that it was in fact Garidian responsible for killing Ensign Hart. And then Garidian's going to try to take over Reed's body, but is unable to because Ensign Hart is still sort of consciously there. Inside Reed, yeah. Due to the uh, touching of the pipe from earlier. Yeah. And that's why he was having the, the memories and the flashbacks kind of coalesce where he was seeing things as they happened, but actually from Hart's perspective and not his. And we learned that, that Hart was doing the same thing, both within, within Reed's head. And then as Garidian gets ready to do to do the swap with Reed, Hart actually kind of pushes her way into Garidian, and that's what winds up killing the body of Valet and Garidian, and officially killing Ensign Hart. That is pretty much where the story ends. Yeah, that's uh, that's it, really. Yeah, so very good book, very good book. The way it's told is, I think, is fantastic. The yeah, it does, it's not told in in the order of events that you've obviously described. Uh, yourself there so it's broken up and it jumps back and yeah. forth very interesting so what were your initial thoughts after going through it my initial thoughts were such a step up from by the book i thought it was a massive improvement mm -hmm. on that one and the first two thirds to three quarters of this book are brilliant really interesting and i did think it it peaked when they're on the planet mm -hmm. And when Reed obviously gets separated from Trip and finds Ensign Hart having her like seizure yeah. on the floor and finds Garidian, I think the book peaked a bit there because at that point it was trying to wrap up mm -hmm. almost everything because it had kind of in its little non-linear version of storytelling, we'd kind of got to everything we needed now yeah. almost. So I did think you could sense there was like a, a rush to wrap things up after that. But the first, yeah, the first two thirds, three quarters, I thought were just incredibly well written and... The voices, mm -hmm. character voices, wasn't a single line of dialogue in this book that didn't feel like... like I could hear the voices yeah. of the cast for every single one of them, particularly Flocks. 
Mm-hmm. I really could hear flocks in those lines. So that was a step up from By the Book as well. In fact, I don't want to rag on By the Book, which was the previous one, but this was just... This book sort of made you realise that the minor criticisms that you may have had of By the Book were actually pretty significant because this book got them all right. But it also had the benefit of time. It was released 10 months after By the Book, so... There's a lot more episodes and scripts and just to look at to understand the characters. No, I really enjoyed. How about you? What was your thoughts? My initial thoughts were this was actually a really good story. Definitely better than by the book. Right now we've got What Price Honor number one, by the book number two. It had pretty much your your typical Star Trek story, trying to figure out the solution to aliens causing problems. The stakes were a lot higher, I felt, in this for the crew as well. In by the book, the stakes were never were never high for the crew. There's a little bit of a thing going on the planet, but there was never high stakes. Whereas in this one, it felt like everyone was in danger. Even Reed, like I know Reed survives this, yeah. but it, they were written in such a way that it was like, oh my god, maybe Reed isn't going to get out of this alive. It drew you in. And definitely. I would say paid it off too. Oh yeah, it definitely did pay it off. I mean, I kind of predicted the twist mm-hmm. of the body swapping almost. Well, it's the only t- the time I can really remember that I was starting to think, oh, hang on, was on that holy shit moment you're on about. Because I can't remember the name of the character now. The ambassador says... Valet? Yeah, after Valet says that she'd killed the prisoner. I think in that scene, maybe just before they spoke, she made a comment that didn't refer to her alleged alien species as being her species. Yeah. It was just an offhand bit of dialogue and... And I noticed that and I was like, oh, hang on now. What's what's going on? And I was like, oh, what if she didn't kill a prisoner? What if she was killing herself because she's taken the body? And so I started to suspect. And obviously, yeah. as the book went on, as the book went on, there were a lot more hints of it. Mm-hmm. At that point, I thought, well, that's definitely what's going on. Yeah. Not, uh, I wasn't sure how it was happening, but I knew that's what was happening. And so when it got confirmed for me, it wasn't like a massive shock. It was like, yep, I was right. Yeah. But in the, in the fun way, in the fun way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and it was a really great plot device mm-hmm. as well. Like, I'm not criticizing that at all. I think that it just became so obvious, for me at least, yeah. as it was going on. Th- these weren't so much breadcrumbs as loads of bread yeah. just being dropped. <laughs> I was like, well, I know what it is now. And you're still in the writing trying to make me think like I don't know what it is. But maybe I've also seen too much Star yeah. Trek and so could guess it. Did you see that twist come in that there was body swapping going on from the, the evil person? For me it, it took a little bit longer than you but at the point where once Reed realized that, that Hart wasn't Hart that to me was sort of putting in the seeds that hey it was probably a body swap gone horribly wrong for Ensign Hart. Mm, a pretty rough way for her to mm-hmm. I know she didn't technically die die until the actual climax of the book but you know, for her, her essential death, though. Yeah. When she was originally... What was his name again? The, the alien? Uh, Garidian. Garidian, that's it. When Garidian initially took over her body and we find out that the seizures was actually just the two consciousnesses fighting for control yeah. of the body. And, like, that was a pretty rough death for her, really. And then you think about everyone else in the book who went through similar experience, Valet, and, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, not a pretty way to go, actually. I was a bit surprised. I thought Hart was a good character, actually. A really nice addition to the to the crew for this book. It would have been nice to, you know, get to, to see her a little bit more outside. Like like if they had, you know, done like a novella or something beforehand, just to kind of give a little preview summary type of thing. I liked how trying to get Reed, you know, someone to be romantically involved with. But to me, it was like, Reed's like, okay, I really like her, but regulations. But I like her regulations damn these regulations i can't do it yeah which is obviously very in keeping with reed mm-hmm. uh, early on but here's a question for you yeah. <laughs> two and a half weeks was 
the amount of time between, I think, when he first really started talking yeah. to her on that New Year's Eve and then when she died. I think she died on like the 16th of January, yeah, was it? I can't that. remember. And it was very heavy for both of them in that time. Right. At one point, I was like, wow. A little too quick and fast. Yeah. And at the funeral, when Archer could tell how affected Malcolm mm-hmm. was and, and things like that, I was like, he was only actually involved with her for just over two weeks. Yeah. In fact, not even two weeks because they'd already had the breakup, I think. Yeah. A few days before that. So I thought that was a little bit too quick. And it didn't need to be. No. They could have easily set it as having been going on for longer. But I could get past that. It's in, it's actually quite fitting with Reed yeah. for what we saw on TV with him and how he used to just latch on to women. So it's, it's, I guess it, it does kind of work. That kind of made Ensign Hart one of those that, you know, kind of needed somebody that was also a little bit needy themselves. Hmm. I like how they kind of got it to where for any future events, Archer's like, well, you know, it's a stupid regulation, so we're just not going to follow it from now on. There at the end. I love that Archer, yeah, was going to mention it to Admiral Forrest. Yeah. So it's something they need to look at. Because it's a fair point. I mean, you're on a deep space mission. Mm -hmm. Could be going on for years. Yeah. Five-year mission, or it could be a 10-year mission. You don't know. Yeah, it seems unrealistic to say that none of the crew members can get involved with one another. They could as long as they were the same rank or they started out at the same rank and then one got promoted because that does happen. Hmm. I get the reason behind it, but yeah, it just seemed in, in these circumstances of being gone for years at a time, it's like yeah. it is a bit of a stupid regulation. And as we know later on in Star Trek, loads of colleagues get married yeah, like the opening scene with balance of terror and i just was watching tng's second episode is it the naked now or the naked time the naked now is tng naked time is original so i just i just watched naked now where everyone was getting off with each other yeah. albeit under the influence of a little virus thing but i thought i made for an interesting thing for reed though yeah but you know because he's obviously a lonely man but he still chose regulations over... Over happiness. Yeah. Could have just gone to Archer and at least asked. Yeah. I mean, what's the worst? Archer would have said no. But they also didn't have a like a relationship. Did they, Archer and Reed, at this point in the timeline? It wasn't really until season two. Because this was before Minefield, when they got better relationship. Yeah. As we found out in that episode, Reed thought it should be a very formal relationship with his captain. Yeah. So it kind of fits that Reed wouldn't have gone and spoken to Archer about it, but... I did like the scenes with him and Trip talking about it, though. I thought they were very well written. Yeah. The writer just got it so right with all the characterizations. It made me happy to read. Yeah. Because I felt like I was on another adventure with these characters. Yeah. And also made me sad at the same time, because it reminded me that there are no, like, new adventures for these characters, apart from these books we're reading. Apart from the books that we're reading and, you know, what Brandy and I are doing in the writer's room. Oh, yes, yes. I thought the characterization, because that was an issue in the previous novel, mm-hmm. was the characters were not really... Looking back, I don't think any of them were really, apart from Paul. I think, don't think anyone really was in character. No problems with this one, though. Yeah. At all. I thought it worked. And as you said about the story, it felt like a Star Trek story. High stakes. And I kind of liked the alien stuff on the planet yeah. as well. I could see it yeah. visually. I could picture it. And that's all down to the writer, the author. But also, I could just see it. I could just visualize them in their EV suits yeah. and walking through the planet. And, and just, like, again, the dialogue back and forth. I just, I loved everything on the planet. I thought that stuff was great and, and different because the way I visualized it with, like, the big, what do you want to call them, monument things that were there, whatever you want to call them. I was going to say obelisk type thing. That's the one. Obelisk, yeah. Like, a lot of stuff that you can't often do on TV. Yeah. But you can on film or you can on lower decks, yeah. <laughs> for example, because it's animated. And I just, 
I appreciate the books for that reason sometimes because they can pop our characters into situations that we couldn't always see on TV. Not so much for the Enterprise crew because obviously CGI had come so much further, yeah. but certainly the, the older casts where you really didn't see them in a lot of situations that the books would describe them in just because it wasn't possible on, on a TV budget. This felt very much like it could have been a, an hour of Enterprise on TV. And, and most likely where they had it on that, the, the list I pulled up. Mm. So do you think this book gave you better insight into Malcolm Reed? Yeah, especially, you know, early season one season two read before minefield and you know we got to know him a little bit better on screen as well mm. but definitely you know his honor bound tradition of following every rule to the letter and all that and then doing the proper british thing by keeping a stiff upper lip turning away for me the armory scenes were great because on the tv show there's a vibe whenever they're in the armory that it is kind of malcolm's workspace and everyone's kind of working for reed in there and i thought this book captured that feeling perfectly yeah, because he's one of those, you know, where it's got to be this done at this time, this done at this time, so on and so forth. And you could really feel that come across the pages as well. The book was obviously, it was kind of bookended by Archer trying to do this log. Well, I say a log, a message to Hutt's parents. Yeah confirming her death and stuff did that feel the right way to bookend or not it felt a bit odd that we were with malcolm for the rest of the book right and then right at the end right at the moment where he obviously kills our villain and then we're not with malcolm after that we see malcolm through archer's eyes again and i thought that was an interesting decision by the author yeah and the way that i'm kind of thinking about it now is that we the readers could be protected from seeing Reed absolutely crushed and still kind of keep him a little bit on his perch, even though he was hurting inside. Do you have any favorite moments from within the book? I kind of like how they geeked out over the ancient Earth tactics and, and the war there, or the war book there. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So that was with Reed and Hart. It was a book, wasn't there? Was it about naval stuff? I think so. War tactics and stuff? Those scenes were quite nice, quite pleasant, I thought. Yeah, and just, you know, him kind of being a little bit fumbly just kind of you know because that'd be sort of more of how he would be at that point especially around around women yeah very awkward wasn't he and you could picture dominic keaton pulling that off yeah doing those scenes I, I, that's what i mean but the voices were just perfect for all of it you could see every scene you could picture them all just having those moments i loved the pacing of the chapters myself i just thought they weren't too long no weren't too short the story seemed to follow um Obviously, it was told in a non-linear way, but the way we went backwards to see things from the past, they always felt slotted in at the right time yeah. in, in the book to, to find out a little bit more. And, and I like that we just started with the mystery because, you know, again, talk about by the book, which is the previous novel, we didn't really get into anything. Well, not really in the whole book, to be fair, but, <laughs> you know, in this one, though, we're straight away from that very first thing when Archer's trying to write that message mm -hmm. to Hart's parents. We know something's gone on, some some shit has gone down. Yeah. And, and that filled me with confidence right away. Yeah, we got to figure out what it is. Yeah, I, that's why I love that. I love that. Were you happy with the amount of action in the book? Because obviously we said before about By the Book not having, apart from one short sequence, there wasn't really any action in that book. Whereas this one was a little different. I really enjoyed how the action came across. It definitely worked out well. Didn't feel like any of the scenes really drug on too, too much. I mean, maybe maybe a little bit, you know, just trying to get, get to the climax. But other than that, it was it was really well written. Any uh, final thoughts on what price on it? As I said earlier, I think this would have been a really good episode of, of Enterprise. I'd love to have seen it tell Advised. Particularly because so much bits later on when Reed is piecing it all together, he's seeing it as 
you've seen flashbacks from parts of the book so it felt very much like I was reading a script like a screenplay yeah. getting the flashes that we would have on screen when they're remembering like when Michael Burnham is remembering a certain plot twist in season one of Discovery with uh, someone not being who we think they are see no spoilers I love how that was presented in the book so I could really see this being on TV I thought this was a really good Malcolm Reed novel yeah because this book struggles and we've already said it gets it gets some dates wrong that's unforgivable photon torpedoes the first crew death you know these things didn't actually happen at this point in the timeline we know that because yeah. it struggled with the fact that it takes place in a certain time of the show that we know we know no one dies the main yeah. ones all these things which make writing books within the actual time frame of the show yeah, any of the Trek shows very difficult because there are no stakes yeah and that's why you introduce other characters to die and, and things like that but I thought with all that in mind they did a very good job of exploring Malcolm Reed and not resetting him right. at the end of it because that's what often happens and that happened here a little bit with the technology that they had to return to the Sarkassians so you had that side of it and even when I was reading it I was like oh there's a go big red reset button yep. delete all <laughs> stuff from your computer but what happened to the characters didn't get reset at least for me yeah. as a reader of it you can still kind of place the main contents of the the book you know in with the characters that we've seen on screen after this yeah and you know headcanon can be a great and a bad thing but in this it's very easy and i don't like to be like pick and choose canon i think for me the books are canon unless they're contradicted on screen i don't care what anyone else says you know yeah same here in this case there is some contradictions but they're so minor that the rest of it slots in perfectly for me so yeah for me it was a very good book very well written i believe i could be wrong this author writes other books coming up as well so i'm very excited to read those daedalus and daedalus's children and then uh, rosetta and that was last full novel that he wrote for yep. enterprise he also did a enterprise short story uh no banaga in the shards and shadows omnibus oh right okay he was the go-to guy for a while so yeah it was a very very well written book i'm looking forward to like you're saying then three of the next four books we're going to do are going to be by him so yeah. that's, that's exciting for me because yeah this was this was miles above and can i just say as well that the whole thing of having to reset characters like you have to you have to leave them exactly as they were at the start of the book because you can't do anything because of tv i think it's such a hard thing for authors yeah. to do and it's very easy for us to sit here and maybe criticize certain elements of a book or a plot but you know these authors would have very likely have done some things different ways mm -hmm. if they could leave some kind of permanent impact on the on yeah. the, the characters and so i i think i think they all do great jobs even if it works or not yeah. depend on the book i think they do a fantastic job and again it's more proof of why Star Trek Picard and Star Trek Discovery novels, for the most right. part, have taken place outside, well, prequels, yeah. generally, aren't they? Most of them. Uh, it's changing a little bit with Discovery now, where they're, they're starting to place some in between the timeline. But Yeah, Dead Endless takes place, I think, between seasons one and two. Yeah, as does uh, Die Stand-In, which I think is the yeah. latest Discovery book as well. So it's starting to come into it a bit, but they're not doing anything in a little period of time where you're thinking, hang on a minute. Yeah. How are they doing this at this moment when this is going on? So you can see why they're doing it. And I guess they kind of realize that during Enterprise. Because yeah. I think we only get six or s maybe not even six. No, it is about six original novels before they start doing like the relaunch. Kobayashi Maru, I think, would have been the last one more in the in the series proper. Rosetta, Kobayashi Maru, one of those two. I think Rosetta was the last one. And they obviously twigged then that we're struggling to <laughs> do stories that work. Because they, they, this was never... a something that they seem to consider with the other shows they yeah. just kept releasing tie-in after tie-in so it's great what was your th sort of final thoughts on on the book 
Definitely a good one. Probably one I'll revisit at some point when I'm not doing two book clubs on two two podcasts. <laughs> Especially when, when one of those is, you know, a rather large and lengthy series. But definitely good. We'll probably be on, on the reread list at some point. Heather read it shortly after we, we actually purchased the physical copy. And she reread it again j- just in case I needed help, you know, and I couldn't finish by, by the time we recorded, so... <laughs> I'm always the unprepared one <laughs> rushing to read it. I actually finished the book two hours before we <laughs> before we came on to record this. I have a whole thing where I'm kind of like, if I read it too soon, mm-hmm. like for example, now we're having this podcast now, we know that in seven weeks we'll be doing our next right. one. And I could just keep the momentum going, you know, I could just go straight into the next book. But I have this fear that I'm going to forget yeah. things. So I have to... I have to just start reading it. I have to take a gamble that my kids aren't going to be a problem and all these things. And I'm going to have time, but I just start reading it as close as I can to the deadline so that I can come into this and and really sort of chat about it, having just read it. So I finished it, I'd say probably about a week or two ago, but it's still pretty pretty fresh in the in the recall. Would you recommend this to a Star Trek Enterprise Definitely. who has not? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> and Definitely, go get it. So, yeah, uh, available on kindle thrift or thrift books you can probably find it on there if you wanted a physical copy yeah what price honor by david stern that's the one on december 16th 2020 our weekly discussion will focus on the star trek enterprise novel sirach's soul this is the third original enterprise novel following by the book and what price honor which we have previously reviewed on this podcast if you'd like to be fully knowledgeable of what we discuss on december 16th then please dig out your copy of sirach's soul or visit an online retailer to purchase a copy we look forward to our next book club discussion The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast, is produced and hosted by Chris Hill and myself, Kyle West, and is a part of the Holosuite Media Podcast Network. To keep up to date with all the news and updates from The Expanse, be sure to follow NX01Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find Chris Hill on Twitter at the Chris Hill and myself on Twitter at Kyle Thomas West. To join the Holosuite Media Community Discussion Group, simply type The Nexus into the Facebook search bar and we'll see you there. Thank you for listening. This show is brought to you by Holosuite Media. Computer. List other available Holosuite Media programs. Loading Holosuite Preview Program for Boldly Go, a Star Trek Strange New Worlds podcast. It's too much effort and I'm busy. I gotta get this done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had stuff to do. He had logs to plant. He had a ship to take over. <laughs> he had an entire plot to uh, to fill out and make everyone think that he needed to have a trial for mutiny <laughs> because that will distract everyone long enough for them to get to Talos 4. He's busier than Prince Humperdinck. Loading Holosuite Preview Program for StarPod Trek, a podcast exploring Gene Roddenberry's vision of the future.
So we're seeing that the early Star Trek conventions were were a nice balance between science fiction and real world science. And that was cool because th- because a lot of uh, Star Trek fans are interested in science, and a lot of, and I mean all of those um, science guests that were there probably were Star Trek fans, and and they they probably even said that that they got into to science because of their love of Star Trek. Loading Hollow Sweet preview program for the Vedic Assembly. A Deep Space Nine podcast. Someone, you know... Oh, just gonna... Sorry, I'm gonna interrupt you. Yeah. Child pictures are always so shit. <laughs> well, they always look... I feel like you can shit, always they look tell. Crap. I hate them. And then <laughs> my, my niece gives me one and I'm like, oh, thank you for this 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 masterpiece. <laughs> she drew one of me once and I had broccoli on my head and she's like, that's broccoli. I'm like, why, <laughs> Alice? Why? <laughs> Love it a bit, but Why? Uh, that's adorable. Computer, deactivate Holosuite.